All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 108 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And man, we got a loaded pod coming up for you. Lots to discuss. Goalarama in the uh, NHL this weekend. Another uh, outdoor game, a, a really good game, and also a uh, One of the top rookies in the National Hockey League, Tanner Janot, will join us on the pod. Frank, how you doing, man? Crazy weekend in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I'm going to be a crazy next three weeks. Three weeks until the NHL trade deadline. It is coming in hot. Oh, and uh, there'll be some teams we'll get to in a second. I want to start, though, um, with the, uh, the the stadium series. Just your thoughts on the on the game itself and 60,000 fans, man. Uh, both teams dressing up. They got their 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 jackets and stuff like I thought it was I thought it was a really good game and presentation overall. I'm kind of embarrassed for the NHL that they haven't done it sooner. I mean, you think about the party scene on Broadway. And if you've been to Nashville and you know where the football stadium is to be able to walk right from pre-gaming at the bar or (laughs) drinking all day on Broadway and then walk like four blocks to the stadium across the bridge and step in for a primetime game at night. I mean, it's gotta be the best setup they've ever had. Like that's kind of the one thing about doing it in a giant football stadium, unless it's right downtown or, you know, you do it at a Fenway park or Wrigley where there's lots of entertainment nearby. It's like, you're kind of off out in the middle of nowhere more or less. And in this case, like, wow, it, that is, that is unbelievable scenery, a lot going on. And the game finally it felt like matched the environment in terms of everything was happening. Fights, hits, goals, high skill plays, uh, two really good goaltenders going head to head, uh, two playoff teams. Like there was a lot to unpack and, and actually two points that the Nashville Predators really needed. Yeah. Oh, hey, the Preds are in a fight, man, for sure. Now down down the stretch. And, you know, the speaking of the Preds, like there's some reports, Philip Forsberg, you know, he's a pending UFA. Do you believe there's any like how high of a chance do you think there is that David Poyle would trade him? Five percent. I mean, is it yeah. is it that high? Like it's not, it's not very high. Um I've personally I've wondered about Forsberg, but I've never I've never heard his name out there in my travels. And again, not to say that it's impossible. 
Um, I think the Preds also kind of played a little bit of this game last year when they were teetering on the edge of the playoffs. And, you know, Mikhail Granlin was the name last year. They ended up, um, you know, making the playoffs and re-signing him. And, you know, with the run that they went on, obviously his name came off the table pretty quickly. In this case, they're squarely in the mix and kind of have been all season long. Uh, They sort of started to falter a little bit, but like we weren't talking like someone going downhill on a one wheeled scooter. Like (laughs) they got it together and, and they looked absolutely fine against the Tampa Bay lightning in the stadium series. I personally don't buy that the Preds would move Forsberg. They haven't engaged in contract talks to this point, but they're really, it's not to say there hasn't been reason to anytime a guy enters the last year of his deal, you know, you want to have the conversation and, and figure it out. But I think there was an understanding on both sides that like, Hey, we'll get there. Like Philip Forsberg isn't asking out uh, the Nashville predators are in playoff mode. And not only that, they're a market that really needs playoffs from a business perspective. And that's not because they're a small market team. It's because they view their market in general as only really being engaged when they're a playoff team, if that makes any sense. Like they need to get to the playoffs to really make hay on the business side. And in this case, I think everyone was kind of on the same page. And that's why it kind of hit people out of left field uh, with Forsberg popping up in the rumor mill on social media. And I, I just, I don't think there's a lot to it. Is it possible? Yes, anything's possible. But the thing for the Preds is, all that being said, it's going to be difficult to keep Philip Forsberg because they need another long-term contract with a high cap hit, like a hole in the head. Like they've got Duchesne, um, you know, you look at their group and it's like, how many guys, Johansson, like two forwards right there long-term deals, 8 million a year. Forsberg is by far their best player and, and, and driver offensively point per game guy. Who's been a beast this year. His number has to start with a nine where, like, where are you working that into your mix? Can they afford it on the cap? Of course they can. Um, do they want to, do they want to give out that kind of term? Like that's the real question. Um, and he, the funny thing is he's kind of, he's the youngest guy of that group yeah. that oh. would make you seem to think that they need to. Yeah, no, he's the one. That's why, you know, you, you lose Philip Forsberg. It's, it's very hard to replace him. No question. So, uh, I, I, but trading him, I, I would be quite surprised if that happened. Now, things that don't happen very often in the NHL, Frank, 17 goals in a game, Maple Leafs, Red Wings, uh, an old school 80 shootout. I always chuckle when people are like, nah, I don't want to see six, five games until you see a 10, seven game. You're like, this is unreal. It's back and forth. And yeah, sure. It's not great goaltending, but, um, after the game, you know, Sheldon Keefe, kind of the first time I really ever heard him, and I'm not going to say call out because I think we we hyperbolize things, you know, but he was just like, hey, Jack's got to make that save early on. He ends up pulling his goalie. He admits that he put Mrazek in a terrible spot. It's, you know, it's midway through the third period. It's rare to see a goalie get pulled in the in the third period and replaced. But well, how, how concerned are you? Because you got Toronto. You got Washington, you got Vegas, you got Edmonton. There's some teams that people think are playoff teams that all have question marks now in goal. I would say on a one to 10 scale with the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending, it's a nine. That sound high to you? Concern wise, you mean? Yes. And here, here's why, because I, I, I'll give you my explanation. And my belief is that because the Leafs have played relatively well around him and they've been able to outscore a lot of the mistakes. It's been easy to overlook really how bad Jack Campbell has been for a kind two of months, a long two and a half months. Yes. Uh, so the last 18 games, he has an eight ninety save percentage, eight, nine, zero. Yeah. But good. he's 10, four and two. <laughs> so when you win games and you find a way to win six, five or seven, five, uh, I mean, I'm looking at it here. One, two, three, four, five, 
six, seven times in 18 games, he's given up four or more. And they've won the bulk of those. When you're able to paper over the mistakes, it feels like maybe things aren't as bad as they are. And the problem with that is that's not how it works in the playoffs. You can't outscore or outrun your problems. And you definitely aren't scoring six and seven goals in the playoffs to win. It's only really happened one time that I can remember. And that was that wacky series in 2010 between the Flyers and Penguins where every game like eight to five. Yeah. Well, you look at since December 1st, Jack Campbell, that's 20 starts. He's 11, four and three. You're like, okay, but he has an 893 save percentage. Morazic has made eight starts in that time. He has an 897 and uh, Wall had to come in one game and for a very short time, and he had an 854. Like the Maple Leafs goaltending for three months is under 900. Like that, so it's it's like, wow, geez, if Campbell's struggling, we'll go to our backup. Well, that to me is their problem. But here's the thing, Frank, like outside of Braden Holpe in Dallas, and maybe Marc-Andre Fleury, but I don't know how Toronto f- fits him in the cap. Like, what do they do? Do they just have to hope that Jack Campbell finds his play of the first two months? Or is that unrealistic to think that he could get back to that level? I, I don't know if it's unrealistic because he's done it and did it for a long stretch. So clearly there's a capability there. I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think there's been much talk with the Maple Leafs about their goaltending in terms of making a move. I think their hope is that between the two of them, that they can get passable goaltending when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, that's hard against Florida or Tampa. I, it made me like, honestly, it made me think back to that. So that 890 save percentage, it made me think back to that wacky series. I don't like, like I said, I covered it. I'm just looking at it here. Ilya Brzezgalov won the series against Marc-Andre Fleury and he had an 871 save percentage in the series. <laughs> how, how wild is that? That was one of the oh, best first awesome. round series ever. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. Now you, you had reported a few weeks ago that Robin Leonard has a torn labrum. Do you now, do you know like how, to, is it partially torn? How serious it is it? Surgery. That, okay. So they put him on IR. So, so it needs, needs surgery, surgery, but we don't know, can he battle through it? So there's some thought that he may be able to rehab a bit and then come back and tough it out and get to the finish line at the end of the season and then have surgery. But the answer the truth is that the Vegas Golden Knights don't know he might need it now. Yeah. So at bare minimum, then, Frank, you would think they would add some, even another backup to to split duties with Lauren Brassois here for because there's no guarantee. Like if let's say Robert Leonard's out for six weeks, Frank, it's not like Vegas is comfortably atop the Pacific Division where they've got all this room to move. The LA Kings are there. The Edmonton Orders are right there. Uh, you know, then there's the wild card. Like, what do you think they're going to do in the meantime if, if Robin Lehner can't play for six weeks? So had the Oilers come back and beat the Hurricanes on Sunday with the Dallas Stars win, the Vegas Golden Knights would have woken up on Monday outside of a playoff spot in points yeah. percentage. Mm-hmm. outside of the playoff picture. So the comfort level that did exist is gone. Um, they had a kind of light February schedule um, because they had, didn't have very many games postponed. Yeah. So they're going to have an opportunity here to, to go on a bit of a run, but who's in net. And I, and I think your, your question is, is um, it's well-timed. And I don't know what the answer is. I, I reported Mark Andre Fleury that they had expressed interest. Vegas, of course, uh, denied that or uh, refuted it, which is fine. I, I like I said, I know who they talked to and I know what was said, and they know what was said. And Alexander Georgiev is another name that I mentioned in the same story as someone that maybe makes a little bit of sense, given that he's not coming back to the New York Rangers next season. They, they can't afford him for one, two, he doesn't want to be there. And my guess is that he he's moving at the deadline because he he's of interest to both playoff teams, I think, and non-playoff teams. 
you know, if you're a team out there that wants to get a goalie for next year, why wait for the carousel to spin in the summer when you can get a younger guy, give him a trial run and then sign him to a deal as an RFA that fits, you know, your team like a glove, or at least well, you get, you get an audition. I have to think though, if the Rangers are trading them, they got to be getting a goalie. They're back. getting, yeah, they'd be getting a, a, a veteran backup from somewhere. And it doesn't need to be anyone because Chesterkin has been so good. Yes. It doesn't need to be anyone crazy. Like I would think, and I. Miko Koskinen and Edmonton. Do you think they're, or, well, they would, they probably would want crazy. Mike Smith. That's crazy. Koskinen. I would say here's an example of someone I'm thinking that the Rangers would be okay with like a Martin Jones. Okay. So the team they trade Gordiev to doesn't mean they have to get a goalie. They would just, no, they can get, get, yeah, get someone from somewhere else. No, that makes sense. So, but yeah, it's just interesting the goalie situation for a lot of teams and how much of a question mark it is heading into the uh, the stretch run here. And then with three weeks of the trade deadline, the Dallas Stars, Jim Nill might be licking his chops because Braden Holtby, they, they have the luxury they could trade Holtby. Ottinger's their guy, and uh, they just bring up Hudobin, right? What? So, um, so Holtby would be interesting in Vegas because he beat them in the Stanley Cup in 2018. Um, and that one save that he made was just ridiculous. The save, yeah. I, I wrote an entire story about it. Um, I think it was game two. Yes. And I wonder though, would they, obviously it's someone in their conference. Would they want to help someone in their conference? All depends on what they get in return, right? True. Yeah. So it's fascinating, man. I'm looking to the next three weeks. It's, uh, it's interesting to me to see. And, uh, the, the one team I watched the hurricanes again, to, to, today, Frank, cause I know we're, t- we're recording this on Sunday. Um, when I watch that hurricanes team, man, they're good. My only question about the hurricanes, I find they've got a lot of forwards that are exactly the same. Like they're skilled, but they, you know, we have Tanner, Janot coming up. You look at what Tampa Bay added when they won. I really believe that Carolina needs, a little bit more bruising amongst their forwards. And I'll, I'll be interested to see if Don Waddell, he was on, you know, we, he talked to us last year, how he felt like he thought he was close on a few deals and none came to fruition. I really think that Carolina as good of a regular season as they've had, Frank, I think they need a few other dimensions to their mix. I mean, they could really use a Tanner Janot, couldn't they? Oh, well, every team could use a guy like that. <laughs> yeah. But a bit, that that stylistic fit is what we're yes, talking about though. Totally. Yeah. A physical player with some skill. I mean, you know, nowadays guys like that, they're rare. And, but you know, you look at Bar- Barkley Goudreau, people chuckled when Tampa ball chuckled. They were like, are you kidding me? A first rounder for Barkley Goudreau? Well, they knew what they were getting in Barkley Goudreau. And he added a dimension that they didn't have. It doesn't, didn't reduce their skill of their top six. It just added dimension that they did not have. And I, I think when I look at Carolina, I think they're missing that. We, we called those players. We actually did a segment on the daily Faceoff show on Friday. We called them the missing piece. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it. Um, I listed five players in a story on Friday on daily Faceoff that could fit that role, not necessarily as pure stylistic fits. Although I think Brandon Hagel is like, is the closest comparable to a Blake Coleman. And in fact, statistically uh, is probably pretty damn close as well. He has uh, 17 goals on his way to, you know, Coleman was like a 22 goal guy for a couple of years before he was traded. Um, Hagel is, is right there and there's still 30 games left in the season. Um, And he also brings a little bit of edge Uh, might not be the same size, but he's not afraid to drop the gloves and get in the mix. He wins battles. He plays on the penalty kill. He plays on the power play. Like he's a guy that I think uh, it's so the five guys that we listed in the story were Hagel Lekkinen from Montreal. Um, actually Noah Gregor was one in San Jose as well as uh, Alexander Texier from Columbus and I'm blanking on my fourth guy and I'll have to pull up the story, but those, you know, everyone's on the prowl for those types of, like, I think the best way to explain it is a missing piece. Yeah. Like it. And I think it, ever since you brought up his name for, and then he just scored two goals uh, the, the other day as well. So I think, you know, he's a player that just, 
He isn't flashy because the teams are good enough. You're not looking for a major fit. You're just looking for a little piece of the of the puzzle. That Lawson Kraus was the guy yeah. in Arizona. So I yeah. heard they're looking for a first round pick and a roster player for Lawson Kraus. Yeah. So, you know, is he available? Yes, but he's probably one of those guys that they'd prefer not to trade. Yeah. Well, at some point you got to keep some players in Arizona. Uh, you know, you, you want to keep the 5,000 fans that are going to be going to the games next year, Frank, excited to want to go to the games. Uh, let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk. Yeah. Right, I think it. it's fill in the blank today. I think yeah. I branked out there for a moment. Yeah. yeah no it's, it's a Monday. So it is fill in the blank. Uh, no matter what segment it is though, it's always delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. <laughs> 25% off gets you or 25% off with the promo code rundown DD and no delivery fees on your first order. Um, one of my questions was what's the percentage chance that Philip Forsberg gets dealt at the deadline. So I appreciate you guys literally taking that one word for word about four minutes. I into said the show. five, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said five, Jason, you have a quick take then while we're doing it. Uh, I'll go seven. All right. Um, let's start what with is this. The though. price is right. <laughs> yeah, that's well, yeah, that's right. How about this for one? What's your what's your all time favorite Price Is Right game? Plinko, oh. I, I like the putting one. You know where they have to like you get it right, and then I need a list like of the closer. the segments to like. That's fair. I kind of forget some of like Plinko is the first one that came to mind, but it's just because of the name. I, think. I just Flip remember the little ones. mountain climber guy. That's the one that I remember. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, no, I had a huge crush on Holly by the way when I was younger. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're, we learned a lot about Greg's today. All right. I'm going to jump into the first uh, actual hockey question. We're going to talk to Tanner Janot about playing in an outdoor game. The next spot that the NHL needs to put an outdoor game is blank. Frank. Lake Louise. I'm not, you know what? I actually think there's some. I wonder if there, I thought there was like a provincial rule that they they'd have to get a, a special. There is. They they they've talked about the idea, and I think that they've found that it doesn't work. Yeah. And a big part of what makes the stadium series and Winter Classic go is the fact that it's a really expensive event to put on, yes. and you have to sell tickets in order to make it worth everyone's while. And the TV part is great. But the NHL's ratings alone don't move the needle enough to really make it worthwhile to go spend all the money to do it. And it's not necessarily, I mean, I guess Lake Louise would sort of be in the Calgary Edmonds, it'd be in the Calgary territory, but it doesn't really do anyone no. any good. I, I think, I don't think it's happening anytime soon, but I know they've talked about it. I'm going to say Seattle just because I think it's, it's a new market. It's a big market. And I think that uh, that's an organization that would, uh, would 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 uh, pull out no stops after like Nashville did a great show. I yeah. thought it was unreal. I think Seattle would be the next one. So so okay. Here's a funny question though about Seattle. Would you put it in it, whatever it's called now, Century Link Field, where the Seahawks play, which has been like an echo dome for noise and it's been amazing. Dude. Or their ballpark though, where the Mariners play, is pretty awesome too. Great park. I, I went to a Seahawks game, Frank, and it was almost too loud. Like literally, like when the defense was on the field and the fans are just, and they were, and they're just like, ah! like, I was like, oh my God, like it literally almost needed earplugs. I'd never been to a place that loud. Like what they're were not they like? joking. It was no. seriously, they were just, this is all they would do. Like the guy, I'm like, yeah. what are they saying? And they're literally just like this. It's like those Vazulus that were so annoying. It's just oh, like, ah! Like that's all the fans are doing. It was so freaking annoying. I'm not a Seahawks fan, but it was Everyone just like, driving in their cars. Like what is wrong with oh. this guy? Why is he making noises? Well, that's what they were doing. It was crazy. It wasn't like they were just like cheering the name or defense, defense. It was just, just like, make the, the most like the la What was that? What's the movie? Was it dumb and dumber? What's the yeah. most annoying sound you've ever heard? Yeah. That's exactly yeah, what it was. Mark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what you just did everyone was like hey did i want to hear the most annoying sound in the world yeah, driving well, exactly. in my car today on the podcast but no i'll tell you right now frank now i don't know if the because it's a little bit different game it's not like there's defense all the time you can't do it like football but i'll tell you it was so loud like you saw it the offense i had no clue what they were doing that's a huge advantage yeah. i root for chaos like i almost said like i really want i want an outdoor game in florida <laughs> why not like put a like they so they've actually talked about this idea, oh, yeah. believe it or not. And it's the idea is to put a little like dome over the rink during the day 
and basically keep it under wraps, like right until when you need to play and just hope that you can get through the three hours to do it. <laughs> I love that plan. Just hope you can get through it. Why not? What could go wrong? It's the worst that could happen. Somebody blows out a knee. I, yeah. my idea was, and I think the timelines and weather might be difficult with this, but what about if you could start the season with the global series and do an outdoor game somewhere in Europe? Wouldn't that be cool? Would there be enough interest in any of those markets? It'd be expensive. Probably not realistic, but I just think that'd be sweet. I think. Yeah. If you did like, uh, like, like an NHL game at Wembley or at, um, you know, Anywhere. At Man U, like Old Trafford, like that'd be pretty wild, but be insane. Probably not yeah. realistic. Yeah. Uh, Frank, second question I got here. We talked about this a little bit last week on the show. The non contending team that could or should be the most aggressive at the trade deadline, not in terms of being a seller, the non contending team that you think could actually go out and make some moves, add some pieces here. Frank, your take? Uh, it's not could or should. I think this is a prediction of who will, and it's mm-hmm. the New Jersey Devils. Interesting. More coming this week, hopefully, on the Daily Faceoff show. That's how you tease a product, Jason. Yeah. Uh, it's funny he was going to say that because um, I thought to, to me it's the Devils. The, the other team I think who should is the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. But I just don't try. I don't think they're, I mean, I'm still not sure whether owner, if he act, ever actually wants to spend any money. No, we're sure he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one I got for you. Uh, this was going to be the Forsberg one. So I flexed in another name percentage chance of Zidane Chara being dealt before the deadline, Jason. Well, the team I think that makes the most sense for him is the Florida Panthers. I think they need some depth in their in their third pair and a guy with, with tons of playoff experience, I think would help them. I'm going to say Sedano Chara, 74% chance he gets traded. Ooh, Frank? I'm going to give it a 33% chance. Ooh. But do you Does know who should trade? You know who should know? You know who should trade for Sedano Chara? No one. <laughs> if you've not- watched the New York Islanders this year for any stretch of time, and I like seriously, all due respect to Zidane Chara, 1,653 games, the most ever by an NHL defenseman in league history, it's time to go. I love that he fights. I love that he's a presence. I love that he's a leader. I love all those things about him. The, he's been an utter liability for the New York Islanders this year from start to finish. Yeah. Well, you, the problem with the Islanders is they, on they have team, no one on the left side. They, well, they, yeah, it's such they, an indictment on their roster and their yeah. construction that they don't have any left shot defenseman that can beat him out for a job. It's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, and the fact that they don't have the puck enough, like they have to defend way too much. So it, it just reminded me that was an opportunity to, it was like one of those old, uh, my old teammate, Darren Dreger, he always used to say, like, I'd run into him and be like, hey, Frank, you know who asked about you today? He'd be like, no one. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wrapping it up with our points bet bonus question. Um, hey, Frank, I'm getting hot on my points bet picks as well. We went into the weekend good, perfect Saturday. We'll have more on that on the Daily Faceoff show, though. Uh, I was looking at points bet, something I just got a chuckle of. When you look at the Stanley Cup odds board, you can still bet on all 32 teams. And there are a there's a group of five teams that are five thousand to one to win the Stanley Cup this year. I got a chuckle out of it. It's Montreal, Philly, Arizona, Ottawa, and Buffalo. And where I'm going with this question is which one of those five teams that I rattled off has the best chance of being a playoff team next season? Montreal, Philly, Arizona, Ottawa, Buffalo. Frank. I want to say Ottawa, but I tough division. Yeah, it's. I think it's Ottawa. Okay. Yeah, I probably. I'll go with the Flyers. I think the Flyers have been the biggest disappointment. They've been one of the biggest disappointments in the National Hockey League this year. Them and the Islanders. So, um, I, I think they have more skill than what they're showing, and I think that's a team that could bounce back. There you go. That is going to be a wrap on another edition of fill in the blank delivered by DoorDash. Promo code rundown DD gets you 25% off no delivery fees on your first order. All right, let's get to it. Our uh, our big guest today, uh, figuratively and by name and by skill set. 
And now we're excited to have on the DFO rundown. He is currently tied for NHL rookies and goals with 18. He's fourth in the NHL in hits. He's tied for the most fights in the National Hockey League with 10. He's become a huge fan favorite in Nashville. He just scored in the outdoor game on the weekend, and he's having himself one hell of a season from Oxbow, Saskatchewan, forward for the Nashville Predators. Tanner Janot. Tanner, welcome to the rundown. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, buddy, we're pumped to have you, man. It's It's been just an unreal year for you and, and really an, an unreal two years. You're also uh, expecting your first child, so we'll get into that in a second. So it's a pretty big year. But I remember, Tanner, as you know, the first time I saw you as a member of the Moose Jaw Warriors, it was your draft year, Tanner, and you're this big, hulking kid who was I think, very raw in talent. You scored one goal in 54 games, and here we are. You're, you're leading the NHL rookies with 18. You're on pace, actually, to tie the Predators franchise record for most goals by a rookie, which, which Philip Forsberg has at 26. Like, tell me about the last five years and your development curve, really, from like you scored 40 as a 20 year old and then just the last few years and how good it's gone for you. Yeah, it's been it's been a pretty incredible ride here. Um, even going back to like you said, my first year in Moose Jaw, there when I only had one goal uh, the whole year. But uh, you know, it's it's been really incredible. I've had great coaching, um, and then I just try to enjoy every year and get better every year and uh, see an improvement from uh, the previous seasons. So that's kind of been my mindset uh, going through junior. I had that good year at uh, as an overager, twenty year old. Uh, and I was fortunate to sign my three-year contract with the Preds and then uh, started my professional career in Milwaukee um, uh, with uh, with the Admirals there. And same kind of thing. It was a learning curve for me and uh, just wanted to kind of see how I compared against uh, the other guys at the pro level and just worked from there. Had a couple stints in the ECHL and then uh, back in the A and Last year there with uh, with COVID and Milwaukee not playing, I got to play in Chicago um, a little bit and got some got some more opportunities on the power play and things like that and ended up doing really well and earned my first call up to the NHL. And that was a pretty incredible experience. And I think it gave me a lot of confidence just seeing what uh, what that level is like and uh, how I compared to those guys. And it kind of opened my eyes a little bit to see what what I needed to be at and what level I needed to be at to continue to play there. And I uh, used that in this offseason to just kind of draw from that. And also the games that I played last year, I think I had 15 and then the playoff games, which was an incredible experience. And just trying to draw from that and lead it into this year. And this year has been going pretty good. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy, uh, crazy ride so far. Yeah, going pretty good, I think, is an understatement, man. And it's like scoring, I find, is a real big skill. And and, and you just got better every year as a junior player. Um, lots of your teammates that I know, they talk about the, the one thing that the Tanner, they said, no one outworks them. Like you put in a ton of work and, and I'm not just talking in the gym to get stronger, but you put in a lot of work to become a better finisher. Tell me about improving your puck skills. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a big thing. It's just something that I can try to add to my game. I know, I know that I'm a bigger guy and I can get in on the four check and crash and bang and cause turnovers and do things like that. Um, but just something that I've been trying to add to my game, you know, my whole career is, you know, being that good finisher and being good around the net and having a little bit of touch there. So, um, I like to work after practice just on, you know, quick puck skills, working with my hands around the net and, things like that. So I can have that extra element and just, um, bring that extra aspect that uh, a coach can rely on me to when he puts me out on the ice and just keep uh, adding tools to my toolbox. Tanner, we can talk about trying to add tools to that toolbox or the work that you put in, or, um, you know, trying to work on certain skills, but a big part of being successful in the NHL is confidence you know, as an unheralded prospect, undrafted guy that, you know, you mentioned your story, spent time in the ECHL, where did the confidence come from within you to, to know that you could compete and, and get to this level? 
I, I think that's uh, one of the biggest parts and hardest parts of, uh, you know, pro sports is the mental aspect of, of it and having that confidence. And if the confidence is, is that isn't there trying to overcome that. Um, and what I try to do every day, it's what my dad tells me every day is just control what you can control. And what I could control is putting in those extra reps in practice to try and work on those things and add those tools. Um, and then, just keep doing things like that in practice and, you know, off the ice and things like that. And it's going to go into your game one way or another, and uh, it'll bring that confidence. So um, that, that's kind of what I've tried to do every day in my career is just do something that's going to improve me as a person or a player and um, have it, have it come and work itself into my game. And then that's where the confidence comes from. And when, when, you're having success in the games and even in practice, if you're having success, it, it works over into the games and um, you can just kind of build on it from there. Mm-hmm. You're almost uh, 70 games into your NHL career, like with that confidence and everything else, like, do you feel like you've made it yet? I, it sounds funny to say, to ask a guy that, you know, Jay just gave all these stats as to how great your season's going. Have you had a moment yet where you kind of pinch yourself and say, Hey, I'm here and I'm doing it was maybe this weekend. One of those, you know, outside at the stadium series. Yeah, this, this weekend was definitely an incredible experience that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Obviously we wanted a little bit of a different result. Um, but, uh, I think everyone who was part of that was, is just going to remember it forever. It was just so incredible how they did it. And the fans were awesome. It was great. But, uh, I think for me personally, as the way my career has gone, I, I've never really felt comfortable. And uh, I think that is a big part of why I'm here today. Um, I, I, and I never want to feel comfortable, even if, you know, like you guys are saying, I'm having some success right now. Um, but who knows how long that's going to last or, you know, there's dry spells that come all the time. And I, I just never want to feel comfortable because that's when those dry spells happen. I just want to continue to get better every day and uh, keep keep working to improve and help my team do whatever I can to help them win every day and uh, never be comfortable and keep pushing to get better. Tanner, you mentioned your father and his words of wisdom. Your dad is not like, uh, you know, he didn't play a high level of hockey or anything. He, I got the sense from, from your father, like he had a lot of fun just watching you play in junior, but he wasn't like the dad who was like, okay, we're putting you in all these different things. And, you know, you're going to be a professional hockey player at 14. That wasn't really kind of the, 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 the path I think that was set for you. Talk about kind of your parents and growing up and, you know, maybe when you even thought like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of good at hockey or was it even when you went to the Western league, was it still more so, Hey, maybe I can, you know, I can go CIS. What, what was kind of your career path as a youngster in the Jeannot family? Yeah. Well, like you said, my, my dad never played and they just didn't really have that experience and didn't really know uh, what the hockey world had to offer. So every, everything we did was a new experience for everyone in the family, which was really cool. Um, and I can't thank them enough. You know, they, had to sacrifice so much to help me get to where I am today. Um, you know, growing up in a small town, Oxbow, um, you know, they had, they had hockey there, but if you wanted to go to the higher levels, you had to drive to maybe a bigger, bigger center. And so you can play at those higher levels with some better players and, uh, continue to work on your game so you can reach those higher levels. Uh, so they had to, you know, drive me across the province and they had sacrificed so much doing that, which was, I can't thank them enough for that. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it just helped me too, because they, they didn't try to push me into anything or they just tried to support me the best, the best that they knew how to. And, um, it, it turned me into the person I am today and the player I am today. And, um, that's, I wouldn't change anything for the world for sure. So, you know, you, you go through from Oxbow, Saskatchewan, then you're into Moose Jaw. Now all of a sudden you're in, in smash Vegas as uh, people like to call it in Nashville. How is, how like, and you're a fan favorite. Like you came in, you scored a goal. Uh, you know, you mentioned 15 games last year. You had five goals in 15 games. Uh, your last regular season game was your first multi-point game. Now here you are, you're scoring 18 goals. You're fighting like Nashville fans, man. 
You're like the perfect poster boy for Nashville. Tell me how it's how you've been received uh, from the Preds fans in Nashville this year. Yeah, the, the fans here are incredible. Um, if you've ever been to a game at Bridgestone, it's it's always there's always something cool going on, and the fans are always right into it and having a good time. So it's been really good. And uh, you know, if, if they like what I'm doing, I just want to keep giving them a good show and getting wins for our team and. That's uh, that's what I think people like. So um, my focus every day is just to go in and do whatever it takes to help my team win, whether that's fighting or getting a big hit or putting the puck in the net, just trying to do whatever it takes. So uh, it's been so, so much fun coming to this city and coming to play in front of this great uh, fan base. And uh, hopefully we can continue to get some wins and uh, have have uh, some more success. Now you got to be pretty comfortable though in Nashville as a as a country guy from Saskatchewan. Like you must be. What what's the have you seen like a really good country show or has it been tough because of COVID? Well, this weekend was kind of it was pretty cool. There was a lot of artists playing playing around. There was a Winter Park that had some people playing live music and everything like that. And you know, I got to got to meet people like Dirk Bentley and Chase Rice and stuff this weekend. So it's. Pretty, pretty incredible just to be around a city where all these country superstars are, you know, it's their hub, right? So it's country, country music is lives here and it's, it's pretty incredible. And I, I'm a big country music fan. So it's, it's awesome. Tanner, tell me about um, the identity of this Preds team. Like, I feel like you and your line really help contribute to that. I know you've gotten a lot of different opportunities, you know, with different times of games and things like that. You know, you look last night and last minute of the game, you're out there trying to help get the tying goal, but just when you're out there at even strength with Trennan, with Sissons, how much, you know, you guys help drive sort of what, you know, the work ethic of the Preds and things like that. Yeah. I think that's been the biggest thing that, um, you know, coach Hines has been talking about and everyone really on the team has been talking about is we want to have the same identity, um, day in and day out and, uh, playing that hard nose predator hockey. Um, we, we just want to be able to go out there and, uh, have the same expectation every night where to a man, everyone's playing the, the way we want to play. And that's, uh, playing to our systems, putting pucks behind their D, uh, when we need to be, when, when, uh, you know, obviously there's times in the game where skill can come out and we got a lot of skilled players, um, that can make some pretty incredible plays. Uh, but when, you know, when the game's at its toughest, we need to just be playing that hard game where we're not going to get pushed around and, um, turning pucks over and being a hard team to play against heavy and, um, getting pucks out of our end and just crashing and banging away. Aside from the size, what, you know, what makes you and Trennan work so well together? Like you guys on the wings seem to, to really fit. Yeah, I think it's because we're just similar style players. We, um, you know, we have the same kind of mindset out there. So we have a good idea of where each other is going to be out on the ice. And uh, we've been fortunate to play with each other for quite a while now. So that definitely helps the chemistry build every game. Um, and then we also have a great centerman in Colton Sissons. And it's a lot easier to uh, play with the puck when you're winning the faceoff. And he's he's great in the faceoff circle. So um, and he's a lot of the times he's bailing me and Trenny out too if, defensively a little bit. So he, uh, it's it's great to have the veteran kind of presence that he has in the middle of the ice to go along with uh, – the kind of tenacity and uh, big bruising kind of style me and trying play. Not only are you leading the league as rookies and goals, well, you're tied with bunting at 18, but you're playing almost three minutes a night on the penalty kill. There's not many rookies who have a coach who trust them enough to penalty kill right away. Talk about the relationship that you've created with John Hines and that trust and kind of the conversations he's had with you to, to augment your role and, and maybe further your confidence. Yeah. Um, you know, coming into the year, uh, he was the coaching staff kind of was telling me that that was a role that they would like me to fill into, um, you know, losing yarn crook in the, in the expansion draft, he was a big penalty killer for us last year. So it was a little bit of a spot that I could jump into. And I, I just want to uh, work on that every day and, and be a reliable guy to go out there 
um, to kill penalties. And, um, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of really good power plays out there and it is my first year. So I'm definitely learning a lot every day, but, um, same goes for that part of my game as the other ones. I just want to continue to work at it and get better at it all the time. And, uh, the coaching staff is really good for helping with that. When you talk, uh, you know, as a penalty killer, uh, Tanner, it's your first year in the league. So you're going around. Everything's new for you. You're, you're obviously excited about a thing. And, but when you're on the penalty kill, you're facing the other team's best players all the time. How, how do you not get overwhelmed? What, or was there a time where you had to say, OK, like here, I, you know, it's Ovechkin or maybe it's McDavid or Drysaddle or Matthews, you know, like you're up against the best of the best. How do you get past the, the kind of off factor as a young player? Um, yeah, there's definitely those moments where you look across the ice and you see guys that you've grown up playing or, uh, idolizing and now you're playing against them and, uh, it's pretty incredible, but when the puck drops, it's all, it's just business. And, uh, you know, you know how to play the game, you know, what, uh, what you're trying to do and trying to follow the system the best you can. Um, and even, even then, uh, I remember we were, we were playing against Washington recently and, uh, they had their power play out there and I, I thought I was kind of in the passing lane. They still got it over to Ovi somehow. And he just ripped it home. Like he's done so many times. So, um, that's just part of the learning process, I guess. And they're going to sting you sometimes. And, uh, you just got to try and learn from it, but it's definitely pretty cool to be able to look over across the ice. And I think instead of getting nervous, I just get excited about the challenge. So all right, I got to ask you, whose idea was it for the leather jackets that you guys wore in this <laughs> series? Uh, I don't really know whose idea it was, but uh, one day we had practice and uh, Travis Austin and the crew was in there. So um, it, I thought it was it was awesome. Like we got to pick our the style of jackets we wanted and uh, put whatever we wanted on there, really. So and they they were really good with asking us what we wanted and. Uh, I thought they turned out awesome. I thought the guys looked really good going, going into the game. So yeah, it was really cool. I'm not sure exactly whose idea it was, but it was a good one. So how did this become a thing? Like, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the last outdoor game though, maybe the winter classic, like we saw the guys uh, in mini, like wearing the flip flops and shorts, but you know, the, the, the lightning show up and they're in their Canadian tuxedos and you guys have your, like, where did the, like, it's like, you guys looked like you were right out of Greece. Like what, where'd this come from? I think it's just trying to uh, build that side of the game and show, show personal personalities out a little bit. Um, it was a big stage. Uh, it was a big event for the entire league. And um, I thought it was just really cool that uh, with, with it being big, big like that and having all the people and eyes on you that uh, we could just do something cool with that for the, or for the jackets and, uh, everyone looked really good and it was just a little something extra that the fans got to see. And it was cool for the players as well. So what, what did you put on your jacket? Uh, I had, well, I had my number put on there. I had a Tennessee flag and the Nashville stars. And, uh, but on the back, the main part I had, uh, there's a grain elevator in Oxbow, Saskatchewan. So I had that put on there and I got, uh, won't back down and Johnny cash on there. So. I thought it turned out awesome. It was really good. Oh, how often are you going to be wearing that coat now? <laughs> I was thinking about framing it maybe, or I might wear it around once or twice. It, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so how many other guys up? had grain elevators on their jackets. I was the only one. And uh, <laughs> they said they were probably never going to put another grain elevator on a leather jacket. So <laughs> oh, buddy, Saskatchewan, they're loving that now. So you show up in the jacket, Tanner, you talked about, you know, it's obviously the biggest crowd you ever played in front of 60,000 people. And then you score a goal, dude, like how that's, how was that moment? Cause you've said, hey, you've scored in the NHL before that was career goal number 23, but never in front of 60 K. Yeah, it was incredible just having that, you know, all the anticipation going into that game and then the excitement from everybody uh, when the puck dropped and just having having the whole atmosphere like that. It was pretty crazy. And then to be able to score the first goal and have the crowd erupt, uh, it's definitely a moment that I'm going to remember forever. I was really pumped up. Um, all the guys were were jumping around. So it was a really special moment for sure. 
Now, I saw a picture afterwards uh, on your Instagram. Now, I think your parents were, were with you, correct? Your parents are at the game, your fiance, of course. And is it your brother too? Yeah, my brother was there too. So he's a teacher back in Weyburn, Saskatchewan. So he had uh, the week off and it was really good timing that he could come down and see the game too. So, you know, like, you know, having your family there just, just adds to it. I know for you, you're a huge family guy yourself and, and that experience. And like, when you do, have you had a chance to maybe sit down over dinner with your fiance and kind of be like, geez, this is, you know, this is pretty surreal here. Like I'm, I'm having a great year. Our team's really competitive. We're going to be parents. Like it's, you ever kind of got to pinch yourself to be like, damn, this is pretty special time we're in we're having right now. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's been like that a little bit since my first call up, um, to the NHL, um, just things have been going on on a streak kind of for us. And it's just, you try to take, take it and not get too high, not get too low kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an incredible year for us. And we talk about, we talk about it quite often, but it's just about how lucky we are and how grateful we are for everything that we've got. Um, it, it's just been incredible and we have so many people to thank and that have helped us get to this point as well. So, um, we're definitely soaking it all in and not taking anything for granted. Um, we, we've both worked hard to be here too. So, um, we just, we just want to enjoy every minute of it and not let it go and just keep rolling. All right, Jay, you want to play a little rapid fire? Yeah, we'll have some fun in uh, in rapid fire, Tanner. As I mentioned, uh, the the only rule is you have to uh, you have to answer the questions. Okay, all right. Um, we'll start with the well. Maybe this is easier. Not you mentioned uh, you're we are one of the pride of Oxbow, uh, Saskatchewan. If somebody's coming to Oxbow, what is the one thing they have to see or do? Oh, see or do in Oxbow. Um... Well, they got the Oxbow Huskies back up and running. That's their senior team there. But uh, one of my favorite places there is there's uh, the Alameda Dam. It's about five minutes away from Oxbow and they got a great golf course out there and you can take the boat out there. But that was one of my favorite places to be. All right. You are the fourth NHL player from the small town of Oxbow. Do you know the other three? Can you name them? (sighs) Fourth. I know Theo Fleury would be one. Yeah. Um, I don't know the other two, no. There's Reg Kerr. Okay. And Lindsey Carson. Now, honestly, we, Frank and I, Frank was the one who looked this up earlier. So uh, we were stunned. I was like, geez, Oxbow. I didn't know that Fleury was from there. So yeah, you're the fourth guy from that small community to be in the NHL. That's pretty cool. You're going to, you might have to get a picture of those guys in the grain elevator jacket too. That yeah, exactly. Pretty yeah. sweet. All right. Um, what is your dream country concert that you want to go see? Who do you want to see? Uh, Luke Combs, probably. He's one of my favorites. And, or Old Dominion. I really like Old Dominion. If Tanner Janot is singing karaoke, what's coming out of the mic? Colin Baton Rouge. <laughs> oh. Does Tanner Janot sing karaoke frequently? Uh, I wouldn't say frequently, but... Uh, That's not a no. It's not a no, no, but probably like 50% of the time there's, there's a mic. I'll go up there. Okay. Uh, and I, granted, I know you've only been there for a year, but, uh, what is the, uh, what's been the go-to place for you for a club or, a, you know, a, a country bar in Nashville that, uh, you, you highly recommend for visitors? Um, I like, uh, Kid Rocks. Kid Rocks is a good place to go. I, music's really good there i like the setup of it and you can see the stage so that's that's a good place currently this season you have six teammates from the moose jaw warriors that played in the nhl this year which is kind of ridiculous which one do you like chirping the most on ice (laughs) oh well probably i probably chirped i guess how to the most just because I don't think I've, I've only played him and point. Um, I think those are the only two that I played. Oh, you haven't played hunt yet or yeah, I haven't played. Yeah. No, John hunt. I played too. Yeah. Probably. I probably chirped howdy the most though. (laughs) (laughs) Now I, I think you'll say yourself. So out of your former moose jaw teammates, 
If there's a Royal Rumble, you're not included. Who's winning? Out of those other yeah. players? Um, and why? Probably Pointer. He uh, he just, he's got a switch that he can flip and he, he'll, he'll come after you. <laughs> we were talking about Braden Port, of course. There's Brett Howden, Dryden Hunt, uh, Noah Gregor, Jaden Hogglebuck's played this year, Zach Sachenko also in the Nash Hockey. For one team, man, that's pretty crazy to have that many guys in the NHL. Uh, Tanner, what is your uh, beverage of choice? Beverage of choice. Hmm. That's a tough one. Can I say coffee? <laughs> that yeah, for for non-alcoholic. But what about like you know, you're you're celebrating. Maybe you guys don't play it out okay. Wednesday. Maybe you went out for a beer after the outdoor classic with your yeah. family for dinner. What's uh, what's your alcohol um, choice? I like uh, like whiskey and ginger ale. So like Crown Royal or ginger ale or something like that. It's good. What what has been your welcome to the NHL moment thus far? Probably last night. That was uh, I don't I don't know what's going to top that. It's it's crazy. Like it was, it was an incredible, incredible night and it it was just awesome. What's been your favorite fight of your pro career? Favorite fight. Um, uh, Well, I had, I had one uh, against in, in the minor leagues against Cody McLeod, which was just kind of a cool one. Uh, for that, but this year probably uh, the Logan Stanley one, just because I think I did good in that one, and uh, I switched it up a little bit, so that was kind of a good one. Now you mentioned earlier that Braden Point has a switch. Tanner Jano might be one of the most polite gentlemen off of the ice. What gets? What makes your switch flip? <laughs> I don't know if I really flip a switch or not. I don't get really mad out there. I don't think it just. If, uh, if I need to stick up for a teammate, I'm willing to do it. If I need to stick up for myself, I'm, I'm willing to do it. Or, you know, other way around. I know that uh, I play a hard game. And if uh, another guy thinks that I need to answer for it, then I'm willing to do that too. So, um, yeah, I just, I guess I'm just ready to answer for, for my actions or ready to make someone answer for theirs. What does mom say when she saw you fight for the first time? She says she just closes her eyes and <laughs> asks when it's over. <laughs> and uh, when when are you and uh, and uh, Keely expecting? When when's the due date for your child? April sixth. April sixth. And um, what is uh, what is Tanner's you know? So that's geez, that's just a you know five weeks away now. Um, what is making you a good supportive? partner here in the final five weeks what's what's your number one role over the next five weeks <laughs> oh try, i guess just try to keep the house clean and uh, uh try not to just step on anyone's toes i guess just stay out of the way as best i can and just help out the every way i can yeah are you word, word of advice here if you can make sure that you're close by when it's the time because I happen to be in Pittsburgh for my second child and I barely made it back. Yeah. That's, that's another thing to just make sure I'm, I'm going to be here. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully your, your foot rub massage skills. If you, if you can master that, that'll be your saving grace, uh, Tanner. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on, on the rundown, man. Love, I, I love unheralded stories like yours. Uh, obviously I know you personally a little bit, so that makes it a little bit more exciting for me, but uh, to see a guy just blossom how you have is, is amazing to see. And I think fans around the league who don't know you are definitely going to know who Tanner, you know, is, as you continue your career so uh continued success yeah thank you very much i appreciate that and uh it's, it's good to be on thanks for having me tanner Genoa, or as they call him in his hometown the ox of oxbow he's a big strong human a really good guy and man what a season frank like he he, he could push philip forsberg's franchise record of 26 goals for- uh yeah i'd be surprised if he doesn't based on the way that he's played i mean you know, he's, he's seemingly in on everything that happens in Nashville. And, you know, maybe I stumbled a little bit in terms of asking him about the identity, but the identity of that team comes from his line and what they do. And, you know, you look at the Preds this year and how I think how different they've played. 
they're such a big part of why. And you go see them in person. I actually saw them uh, in Toronto in November, and I sat in the first row behind the bench. It was the closest I'd been for an NHL game in a long time. And they are massive. Oh, him and Trennan are enormous. Yeah. And not only that, but they can move and they can play. And so I think their entire team feeds off of that. Yes, they've got the skill. And yes, Forsberg can can play in a lot of different styles and and Granlin can as well. And, and the whole team can, but that's where that that's their identity line. That's where it comes from. Well, Janot is like, he's a legit six, two He's probably like six, two and a half. And he's two, probably two twelve right now. He is shredded Frank. Like he, that guy puts in the work and he is strong. Like I've, I've talked to his, his you know, his moose jaw teammates are like, he's freakishly strong. He's far, he's farm boy strong for, uh, for all of our farmers out there that will, will know that, that term. And, and you're right. When that line gets rolling, like Colton Sissons right now, I guarantee you there's no player in the NHL that's more confident on the ice that if he's going to cheap shot someone, nothing's bad's happened to him. Cause I'm not sure there's a center who has a bookend wingers, that that move and are as physical and as tough as those two in Nashville. Yeah, and that's why I, I didn't mean to be demeaning at all yes. to Sissons, but like when you have two guys like that flanking you, like it's it's a game changer. And <laughs> and I think you know credit to credit to Tanner for obviously doing the work, but credit to John Hines for recognizing the potential. Um, you know, maybe for some coaches it's pretty obvious when you have two guys like that, but to give them the opportunity to use them in different roles. Um, you know, I just think they've, they've helped change the direction of that team and, and, and definitely this season. Well, yeah, you give guys confidence, but it's not, it's not often you see a rookie as your second uh, most used forward penalty killer behind Sisson. So that's uh, that's big for the Preds and, and they're going to need those guys because they're in a dogfight here down the stretch with Dallas and, you know, other teams for the wild card position. So it should be a lot of fun, but what a year it's been for Tanner, you know, since being recalled, man, he's got, basically he's got 23 goals, Frank, in his first 66 games in the National Hockey League. Uh, it's, it's unreal. And I love the... I love, by the way, I love the green elevator on the That's jacket. Awesome. That yeah. like, I'm so glad I asked about that because like the idea and, and, and frankly, when you see the photos and you saw the players entering the arena, you could tell that there was some stuff on the jackets, but they weren't really like zoomed in on to see, Hey, this guy did this or whatever. Like the fact that they could customize them and then they were made and they looked cool. Like it was, I, I love it. I love stuff like that happening in today's NHL, an opportunity to, uh, to show a little personality. As he said, I thought some of the lightning guys looked a little bit uncomfortable in the, uh, in the Canadian tuxedos, but uh, really cool. And, and the fact that he's, you know, thinking of, of Saskatchewan and, and throwing the green elevator on there. I love it. Oh, trust me. It'll dear himself if he can't even more to his fans. But also, Frank, I think it reminds players of their childhood coming to the rink. Remember when you were playing minor hockey and you'd have team jackets. And when you got your team jacket, you thought it was like the coolest thing when you're 10, 11 and 12 and everybody has the jackets. And now I know it's hoodies or whatever it is. But, you know, I, I think bringing back the youthfulness is what every player loves about the outdoor games. And that's why, you know, those games for the fans and the teams involved they're massive. And I know some people say, ah, it's overdone. I don't believe it is. It's, it's not going to draw massive TV ratings outside of the two markets that are playing, but that doesn't matter to me. It's for those teams. It's for the local market and for the fan base. Like think about 60,000 fans. How many times are you going to say there were 60,000 fans for a national predators game? By the way, that was also probably the best outdoor game in terms of everything that it had going. And it wasn't, I'm not talking atmosphere. I'm talking actual game itself. Yeah, It was a good game. Yeah, that's true. Well, Frank, it's a busy week, man. Uh, we are now, uh, what, three weeks away from uh, NHL trade deadline. So lots happening. We look forward By the to way, it. We'll talk to you Monday. Yeah, I, I, we learned something about you, Jay. Big foot rub guy. <laughs> well, hey, dude, that's, you know what? That was, that was the one thing I remember from the final month of my wife being pregnant. Because she was, like, honestly, she, she was a trooper. She was running and everything. And then at about seven and a half uh, months, all of a sudden, she kind of popped a little bit. And so running was finished. And then she just, like, the last two weeks, I remember just being like a foot massage guru. That was really the only thing I could do. So, well, there you go. Hey, got to keep, got to keep it real, boys. Got to keep it real. 
Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.